Good morning and welcome to Get Up With God. It's great to see you this morning. Today, our devotional, we're going to talk about how to be faithful to God and he'll make you a ruler over many things. We're going to use some scripture here, but I want to encourage you today that we are called to go higher. Point number one on our discussion this morning, actually, point number one is you and I have been called to go higher. God has called you to a higher place in life. It's a big difference. I'm going to go to point number two in just a second, but point number two is there's a big difference between being content and being complacent. We're going to define those, but God's called you to go higher in life. Go ahead and say that. Say it right where you're at, at home. Uh, uh, Grab a Bible, grab a notepad. I know I'm getting right into this, but God has called you to a higher place in life, no matter where you are, no matter where you are financially, no matter where you are spiritually. No matter where you are emotionally, no matter how established you are in life, no matter how perfect you think your family is or perfect you think your business is or perfect you think your your life is, and you may be leagues ahead of where you used to be in your life, but I'm here to tell you today, God's called you higher. He's called you to do more. He's called you to greater things for your life, and he'll equip you. He'll empower you to do it. He'll never tell you or ask any. I was just having this discussion with somebody yesterday. Uh, he will. God will never ask you to do something, ask something of you that he doesn't plan to give back to you better than the way that he asked from you. So he's going to ask something for you. He's going to ask for your life. He's going to ask for a commitment from you, but he's not going to ask that without expecting a return back to you in a better condition. So you giving your life to Christ, I don't just mean asking him to be your savior. I mean, abandoning your life and the direction for your life, putting God as the first priority and doing things for God, you become a recipient of a better life the expectation of a better life for yourself. Turn to Hebrews chapter six. I've got a scripture for you about going higher. God's called you to a higher level in your life. Hebrews chapter six, you can go to verse uh, 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Verse 11, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Paul's saying, do not get sluggish. I encourage you, I implore you, do not get sluggish on this journey, but rather imitate those, or here's a, a simple way to look at it. Copy those who have through faith, through patience, through endurance, have achieved the things that God promised to them. Look beyond where you presently are. Look around you. Inspire yourself. Look at those who have achieved greater things. Uh, Let's go to point number two real quick. Point number two, there is a difference between being content and being complacent. I want to define the two for you. There's a difference between being content and being complacent. The word content, the the Webster Dictionary defines it as a peaceful satisfaction. Peaceful satisfaction. Doesn't mean you've stopped. Doesn't mean that there's an ending point. And you can def- go deeper into that. But it doesn't mean that that's, that that's it. But there's a peaceful satisfaction within contentment. 
but there's still growth coming, but you have a peaceful satisfaction. Whereas complacent, it says showing a smug, uncritical satisfaction. In other words, you, you won't take any type of criticism about where you are, but there's a smug, uncritical, meaning I'm not going to judge myself. I'm not going to look at my life and examine where I presently am. I'm just going to stay currently in the state that I'm in. That's the difference between complacent and content. There's no peace within content, within complacency. Complacency says you've given up. Complacency says this is all that there is for me. This is the best that I have. But contentment says I'm okay where I'm at, but I'm going higher. I'm okay. I'm peaceful. I've got inward peace. God's given me peace where I presently am, but there's more for me to do. That's where I'm at. That should be where you're at. I feel content. If this is all it ever is, I'm grateful to God. I'm thankful to God. I've been brought further in my life than I could have gone on my own. Thanks be to God that he's brought me to where I am. But there's more for me. I believe that there's more for me, but I'm peaceful where I presently am. Whereas being complacent, you think, I'm just, this is it. I'm, I'm fine here. I don't want to go any higher. That's why when people tell me things like, I don't want the promotion, I don't want the responsibilities of, of a job that increases my, my workload and things like that, I, I, I respect, I understand it, but God graces you and gives you ability to do things to grow and increase. And he doesn't put things on you. There's, he won't allow you to be overbeared with things that you can't handle. So anything that you've got in your life, uh, there's going to be a way of escape for you to be able to handle that particular thing. But complacency says that I'm here where I am and that's it. I'm fine with where I am. There's a difference. I'm okay with being where I am, but I know there's more. I'm totally content. I'm peaceful, but I know there's more for me. I'm not just complacent. Point number three, point number three, peace comes from faithfulness. Peace comes to you from faithfulness. There's so much anxiety and stress when you know that's truly and really, if you think about it and and understand where um, stress comes from, it comes from the fact that there's something to be done, but it's not done. There's something that needs to happen, but it's not happening. That's where stress comes from. Well, you know, I, whether it be a, a loved one, you want to come to come to Christ, whether it be you not meeting uh, not having enough money to meet a bill that you have or an expense that you have or thinking about the future of, of retirement and where you presently are versus where you want to be or whatever you put, whatever the scenario is, stress comes on people because there's something that needs to be done and it's not done. And you can begin to bear your load of stress by burdening it on yourself. And then, you know, from these things, anxiety, uh, you know, um, stress of, of your own mind comes. That's what happens when things that need to be done don't get done and don't get accomplished. I want to tell you a story. Go to Matthew uh, in 25. You may have heard the story. I'm sure you have. Um, you can see on our slides, I kind of have the image that reflects this particular story in the Bible. But there's a story of a, of a king who comes to uh, a man traveling back and forth, and he has servants that help him. And he gives the servants a certain portion, which in the Bible calls it talents, and we could just call it money. You could call it currency. Gives gives each of the um, uh, his servants t- 
talents and, and currency to do something with them. And the Bible goes on, and I'm going to paraphrase for time's sake, but he gives to one uh, five talents. He gives to another two, I think it's two or three talents. Uh, two, Yeah, so he gave one five talents. He gave another one two talents, and then he gave another one one talent. And when he returns from his trip, he says to the one, uh, what the first one, what did you do with the talents that I gave you? And he said, well, uh, you know, I took them, I did this and I did this with it. And I actually, uh, from my efforts was able to bring back 10. So let's pick up from there and read in verse, um, in verse 21, his, his, his Lord said to him over the one, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, you were faithful over a few things. I will, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I, you have been faithful with a little thing. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. And this is the paradigm that, you know, the, the idea that you have to understand within yourself is that the responsibility given to you with what you have proves you for the next phase in our life. You, you become more faithful with the thing that you have. All of a sudden now you be, start to become more responsible and more faithful with more things that come into your hand. There's a misconception that people think that I would do differently had I had a different situation. The reality is you won't. You will do, you will act, do, treat different things the same way you treat what you have. And that's the paradigm shift that people need in their brain. And, and really their spirit has to hook up with that is that to be faithful as God needs you to be faithful, to be as uh, responsible as God needs you to be responsible, it's going to take some level of faithfulness with what you presently have acting upon what you presently have, the job you presently have, the money you currently have, the children you presently have, the responsibilities that you presently have in your life can prove what level of responsibility you can handle with more. And you want God to be the one that gives you these responsibilities because we don't have time to get into this, but the Bible tells us that wealth from the Lord is the only thing that comes without baggage. Anytime you get wealth without God, it comes with a baggage of sorrow and it comes with a baggage of burden that you are not supposed to carry. So you actually trying to accomplish things on your own without God being in the mix of it actually will get harder. It's harder in life for those people that do that. So anyway, being faithful with what you presently have qualifies you for bigger things. But look at what happened to the man. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. And so the, the, and the same with the second one who had the two, he doubled his, we got to four. Uh, and so these guys that were faithful with what was given to them, they were able to enter into a place of peace and satisfaction because with faithfulness, as I said, uh, in point number three, peace comes from faithfulness. When you're faithful with what you have, you, you gain peace. And the opposite is true. When you don't, when you aren't faithful with the things that you have, stress comes. When you know that you can do better with something that you do have, you're not going to get promoted to the next thing. You're not just going to be promoted from affiliation. Just because you're associated with something and you've been doing it a long time doesn't mean you've earned promotion. So many people think that, well, I've, I'm, I've gained 
age and years and I'm, you know, I've got, uh, you know, I've gained a lot of time in life and things like that. That has nothing to do with promotion. If, if time just was a promoter, everybody would get promoted as they got through life. But you'll see, you look at people, they're not promoted because they weren't faithful with what they had, the things that they had. It doesn't just come with age. So like I said, peace comes with faithfulness, but the same is true. Stress comes with unfaithfulness. When you're, when you're not faithful in doing with what you know you should do with the things that you have, stress comes to your life. Point number four, your ability is your ability. This is an important fact. Your ability is your ability. Be the best that you can be. You know, my pastor said this to me years ago, and it's relevant. You know, I'm older now. I've gotten a little wiser. I don't know. You know, my wife may say differently or whatever the case is. But as I get older and I learn and I study and and you experience different things, more wisdom comes to you. But thank God I don't think this way about myself anymore. But I always used to want to be somebody. Oh, look at this individual. Look at this preacher. Look at this business person. I, I I aspire to be like them. And my pastor said to me, Dylan, there's only one you. God created you to be you. Be the best you you can be. And he would say this, you know, I'm a talking about himself. He would say, Dylan, I'm a terrible Kenneth Copeland. He, and if you don't know who Kenneth Copeland is, it's a minister, it's a preacher. He said, I'm, I'm a terrible Kenneth Copeland or I'm a, I'd be a terrible Rodney Howard Brown. I'm a terrible Norval Hayes, but I'm a great Richard Summerlin. That's what he'd tell me. He's like, I'm, a, I'm the best Richard Summerlin that's ever walked on the earth. And I know he's got a son, Richard Summerlin Jr., and his dad was. But my, you, you understand my point. His, he himself, he's the individual. You're, whatever your name is, say that to yourself. I'm the best Dylan Maverick on the planet. There's no greater Dylan Maverick that walks on the planet than me. And my wife, if she was in the background, she'd be saying, thank God there's only one Dylan Maverick on the planet. The planet can only handle one Dylan Maverick. Well, the planet only needs one of you. The planet only needed one Jesus Christ to save humanity. He only needs one of you. So your ability is your ability. What is, what's my point with that? Go back up to verse 15. And the man that gave the talents to his servants, he said, to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each one according to his own ability not because one was better or one was worse it was given to them based on their ability not in comparison to what someone else could do but it was given based on their ability so be the best you that you can be because God needs you to be the best that you can be he has needs of your gifts and talents point number five increase is expected Increase is expected with what is given to you. It's not an option. It's not optional. God requires, he expects that when we give or when we we are given a talent or we're given a responsibility to be faithful with, he expects there is an anticipation of that thing to grow and to mature and to increase. Jump down to verse 26 of Matthew 25. But the Lord answered and said to, to him, now, now the last one, the one that was given the one talent, who knows what he thought about himself? See, most people, when they're given responsibility at a certain level, immediately they're going to compare and contrast themselves with somebody else. Well, so-and-so, they've got a better job. They've got different family. They've got a different outcome in life. And they've got these, 
that's that's fine, but that's not yours. So what are you worried about it for? You comparing your whatever to somebody else's whatever doesn't get you into a better place. Did you ever think about that? You realizing that someone has more, someone does more, someone accomplishes more doesn't help you progress at all. In fact, that's what stress and anxiety comes from. It's seeing what's being done and you don't do anything about it because comparing and contrasting does it's, it's actually one of the biggest time wasters that you could ever have is comparing and contrasting yourself. I've got a poster that I'm printing. My pastor gave me a scripture, a poster that I'm putting on my wall. That's in second Corinthians uh, 10 that talks about, I believe first Corinthians 10 or second Corinthians 10 that Paul rebukes the people in the church to not compare themselves with one another because you are never going to be someone else. So what they have and what they do is completely irrelevant to you. And in fact, it slows you down. So it's never relevant. But this man must have compared, potentially contrasted between the two and saw that the first guy had more. Oh, look at that. He had five. The other guy had two. I mean, I'm nowhere near these guys. I'm only given one. I'm going to protect what I have. I don't want to risk it at all. And he buries it in the ground with dirt. And it is expected of us to increase what's been given to us. So he doesn't increase it. And this is the response to the man. And Jesus is saying, this is a response from heaven. Because in the very beginning of the story of this parable, Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like... And then he goes on through the story and gives an example of what heaven is like. And this is the example of it. So this is heaven's response to someone who chooses not to increase what's been given to them. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew. So this man's not just lazy, not just disobedient to not do with what God gave to him or this or what his what his master gave to him. But he's also a wicked servant. Apparently, there's some wickedness within him. It's not just the lazy fact, but there's some ill intent behind this man that his master said to him, you're wicked and you're lazy. It would have been enough just to say he's lazy because he didn't increase what was given to him. But now he's saying he's wicked as well. So there's some consequences that come behind that. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited at least my money with the bank. And at my coming, I would have received it back with my own interest. So it's, it's expected to think that these other guys probably put their money in that bank and sat while they dug the hole or dug the hole while they invested and did what they had to do and then pulled that money out when they had the proper investment or they had the proper opportunity to to risk that money and increase the money but he didn't even put it in the bank he just buried it in the ground so that nothing would happen to it nothing did happen to it good or bad but the results were hap- happened to him so he actually took a risk by not taking a risk that something would happen to him. And this is what happens. He said, take the talent from him and give it to those who has, give it to the one who has the 10 talents. And he says that everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance, but from him who does not have. Now, what he's saying is him who does not increase what they have. That's the, that's the context here. Not saying he has nothing. I'm gonna take. How can you take away from somebody nothing if they don't have anything? He's saying he who does not have, in other words, does not have increase on what they were given. 
He said, even what he has will be taken away and cast in and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's never a it's ne- the two coincide with one another. Wickedness and unprofitability coincide with one another. They're never a good duo. And this is what happened with this individual is there was a lack of responsibility. Uh, well, it wasn't a lack of responsibility. There was a lack of acting on the responsibility and utilizing what was given to him to increase it, and it cost him his life. God took away what was given him because he said, if you're not going to be faithful with the things that I've given to you, I need to take them away from you and give them to somebody else. And the gifts and talents and the abilities of God given to you to be able to carry out the things that you've been placed in front of, you don't want the things taken away because now those gifts and talents aren't being used. And you're going to use them for something probably wicked. Point number six, final point. What are you doing, you, with the gift of salvation that's been given to you? I don't know what you do. I don't know what what responsibilities you have in your life. Maybe you've got a family. Maybe you're a husband. Maybe you're a wife. Maybe you've got kids. Maybe you've got a job, a business. You're an investor. You've got uh, employees. I don't know. Maybe you've got a, a job and you've got responsibilities. Of course, you've got responsibilities at your job. I don't know what you do, but I know one thing. Most of the time, people that watch this show are saved, but I also know this. If you're not, and you've got the gift of salvation, you don't have anything else in your life that you're responsible for, you are responsible for the gift of salvation. What are you doing with the gift of salvation that you've been given? It's not just for you. The gift of salvation is not just for you only. The gift of salvation is actually something you're to be faithful with. It gets you into heaven, It gets your life on track, but now you're burdened. You're given a responsibility to take that salvation to others to help them as well. What are you doing with that? Be faithful with what you've been given, and God will make you a ruler over more things. Hope this blessed you today. Be sure to share this, like the post, and subscribe on my channel if you haven't yet. We're on the race to 1,000 subscribers. Hope you'll be part of the first 1,000. I love you. Be blessed. I'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.